This is the Roar and Peace podcast. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to a toddler and five rescue animals, two-term city council member and co-owner of three businesses with my business partner, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I have two grown kids, which makes me an empty nester. I'm married to a coffee roaster. I'm a wacky doggy daycare lady, industry disruptor, entrepreneur, and city council lady. I have too many animals to name. Hey, we are four grown-ass women of the apocalypse. And um, we kind of, as a group, there's four of us, thought it would be a really cool idea to talk about our experiences as uh, we have fledgling businesses, startup businesses, and long-term businesses that are trying to survive this global pandemic, as well as our personal lives. And we'll go around the room here. Uh, One little note about our audio. We are doing this on Google Hangout because we are social distancing in a very responsible fashion. And so the audio is kind of crap right now, but that's not our sound producer's fault. That's the... (laughs) the the thing that we're living with right now. So uh, I'm Sarita Wilson. I own, co-own four businesses, or I did before this all started. I have no idea where we're going to land. I'm on city council. Uh, I have grown children and I am quarantined in Norman, Oklahoma. And I am Kate Beerman. I co-own all of these businesses with Sarita Wilson. I am also on city council. I have five rescue animals and a two-year-old, so I am not loving this quarantine thing. Um, I am Jackie Braun, and I'm one of the co-founders of The Third Space, and I am quarantining with my adult daughter, and so I love it. (laughs) I'm Suzette Grillot, and I co-own with Jackie Braun, uh, The Third Space, and uh, a few other side hustles that she and I have going on. Um, By day, I'm a professor solely online right now. And I am quarantined in Oklahoma City, downtown, which is a beautiful place. My adult daughter is quarantined two miles away after moving home from D.C., but will hopefully be moving in with me. Like I said, we we all wanted to kind of talk about our experiences, and we thought that this would be a great platform and a great time while we have a captive audience. So we're going to go around and ask uh, a set of questions that we kind of came up with each each with a few questions. Uh, I'll start it off with what has permanently changed for you personally and or your business? And I'll answer it first and then I'll hand it off to Kate to answer. So I'll say that for us, we have an app for curbside pickup that we had been talking about, but we hadn't made any moves towards getting for our coffee businesses. And that's going to be a good thing even after all of this goes away. And I think that our businesses in our industry locally, the doggy daycare businesses are probably going to be better prepared for any future disruptions. We've, we're learning some things, uh, getting some best practices in place, some standard operating procedures and some training done. So I think that it's going to be a positive after it's all said and done, but um, it's painful positive. So and I, I obviously sharing these businesses with Sarita agree with everything that she's saying. Um, I do think that also not to kind of give a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I think there's also a lot that we still don't know about what the next 18 months is going to look like. I think everyone has been thinking about the future in terms of weeks. And I don't know that our U.S. society generally has not moved through the stages of pandemic grief to get to the point where we could be accepting of what the next 18 months might hold. So I think what has changed for me is the uncertainty of the future 
that was a weird thing to have to grapple with that even a month ago when I personally was doing my own kind of pandemic preparedness shopping and recognizing what was going to happen, I hadn't really extended that thought fully to our businesses or other people's businesses and and what the long-term future was going to look like. So I think what has changed permanently for me is not feeling so certain about what the future is going to look like and not necessarily in a positive or a negative way. I don't want to say that uncertainty in and of itself is bad, but just not taking for granted that things six months or a year from now will look the way they do, they do now. Um, and I feel that week to week right now. I mean, I look back at some of my, I'm trying to change how I post to social media so I can look back and say, Oh yeah, I had no idea what a week in the future was going to look like. So just kind of expanding my perspective and coming to terms with the fact that the future is a lot more uncertain than I previously believed. It just occurred to me yesterday that a concert I bought tickets for a month or two ago for June 3rd is probably going to be canceled. And yeah. it really, it really sucks. <laughs> and I had, yeah. so even though I had thought about that a lot in other perspectives, I hadn't really thought about it kind of comprehensively or globally, because I'm still having these little mini shocks and little mini disappointments on an almost daily basis. So the world is way more uncertain than I had believed. And that when, is something that will change permanently for me. When Sarita asked this question, that was the answer I wrote down was that everything has changed, but it's so uncertain that I can't even articulate how, you know, it just yeah. seems like there's been radical change. There will be more radical change. Some of that radical change will be great. Some of it will be not so great. But I think, you know, for me, it's like that uncertainty. And you mentioned, Kate, the pandemic grief, you know, just the the, the grief of it all and just the feeling, I, I don't know, for me, the term that constantly comes up is paralysis. Like I'm almost paralyzed. Like I, can, I can't plan, you know, like I'm a planner, you know, it's like we, yes. we plan <laughs> stuff, right? And we're all like shaking our heads going, yes, we, you know, we own businesses. We, own, we have, you know, professional lives. We plan things and we can't plan. We can't because we don't know how long we're going to be doing this. We don't know what things are going to look like once we come out of it, you know, there's just so much uncertainty. So it's like everything's changed and it's, and it's quite radical in, in, in the kind of change that we're facing, but just not knowing at all what it looks like is what's so mind blowing, you know, in terms of, you know, where we're actually going to end up. I think for us, for, um, our very, very baby, baby business that we're just like starting the planning stages for, um, it was, I mean, already, it was an embryo. It was, it was already, an embryo. It wasn't even like, you know, it was already uncertain. The future was already uncertain. And now it's even like, I, I have no idea. And I almost feel like I don't even want to think about it because I, there are no answers right now. And thinking about it just stresses me out. So I know we have to think about it, but we have no idea what we're going to do. So that part is very difficult. And on a personal level, something that has changed for me is I have been thinking about waste a lot more than I ever thought about waste. Like, cause I can't just go to the store. If I run out of Lysol, <laughs> there might not be any, and I, I can't just run to the store whenever I want to. So food waste and, and just the things that I use in my personal life, I think about that much more than I ever did. Kind of like, you know, how the old grandmas save their eggshells and their, 
<laughs> the depression yeah. era people, that's going to be us now. Yeah. No, I, I'm like, I cringe every time something like spoils because I didn't get to it fast enough or, or something, you know, like, and I'm eating things like that are like pushing the envelope <laughs> of like probably healthiness because I don't want to waste anything right now. So that's true. I completely yeah. agree with you, Jackie. Yeah. I would add too that I used to fill my days with crunching numbers. I have no numbers to crunch at this point. So it's like, I'm a little lost. Like I used to check every day, like where the income, what the revenue was for the day. We have no revenue at our dog businesses right now. Zero. Well, I have still, I have still been doing it at Cool Beans and that has been pretty cathartic um, because I really thought, I really thought that we were probably going to end up about five to 10% down. And then to just have this explosion at the end of the month because of our mobile ordering and to see that we were up almost 15% at the end of the month, I was just like, I I don't understand, but I taking on a little bit of Sarita's comfort in data entry. I have actually started keeping the daily numbers for the U S I've been keeping daily numbers. Yeah. Well, and and I need that perspective. Yeah, no, I really need to remind myself how much worse it is. Yeah. It's hard to look at your posts every day, but I mean, it's like, whoa, you know, every day seeing those numbers ratchet up. I mean, it's, 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 uh, a dose of reality, I think, Kate, that you're providing. You well, and know, it cuts. I us. wanted to cut through the noise because everyone, everyone gets to talking about these numbers and and well, the flu, but the flu kills thirty seven thousand people every year. Blah blah blah. I mean, we're gonna hit that number before the end of April, and flu season goes from like late September until April. So, in a much shorter period of time, we're gonna have significantly more deaths. And and I, I've actually started listening to new podcasts that I've never listened to that are more scientific. I listened to one 20 minute one today from an epidemiologist who really broke down what the coronavirus is. What is its shape? What does it do in the body? And why it is so different from flu in terms of what, you know, what it affects in the body, how fast it affects it. And this, this wildly out of control immuno response that it brings out in some people. So that kind of thing, I've really kind of tried to dig through all of the political noise and just try to understand coronavirus better. Will That's you my share that? Policy side. Yeah. Yes, I will. Share that link with us so that, because um, I'd really like to listen to that. And I bet um, people listening to this podcast might too. So yeah. Share and that, I'll, that's I'll my a... comfort is reaching yeah. to something that I can understand mm-hmm. more and the politics of it. I I mean, even as a political scientist, uh, what has been happening has been just so mind blowing to me that I'm like, okay, well, I even have to put aside my political comfort right now, which is usually looking at the policy implications. And I don't really feel that that is helpful to me right now. So I'm like, okay, if I could just understand this virus a little bit better, I think I would feel more comfortable. So it's, it's tough to try and find things to to hold on to right now. Well, Jackie, would you like to, that sends me to another question, I think. Jackie, you want to ask one of your questions? Okay. What are some examples that you've noticed of businesses that are pivoting to deal with the crisis? And what brought me to this question is that I was really impressed. The first business I saw doing this was Whiskey Cake in Oklahoma City. They're making a grocery store. They became a grocery store. Well, yeah, they're making these survival packs. Basically, they're staying in their wheelhouse of food Whiskey Cake is the restaurant and they're staying in their wheelhouse, but they're making survival packs that you can you can order it and come pick it up at the curb. And it's just like it's 
ingredients for recipes that they do or new recipes. Like there's a meat and a vegetable and the herbs and everything you need for the recipes in a bag and you just order it and come pick it up at the curb. I think right. Nosh, so, Nosh is doing that too. Yeah. So not making the food for you. They're actually like selling you the ingredients, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're like doing, um, giving you, they're like a grocer, like an old time grocer. It's like, here's what I need to make this thing. Yeah. And, and you're like, hello, that thing. Right. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. But curbside delivery for like, one of our, our restaurants. Yeah. Pino's palette, which is like the painting and wine. Place. Well, yeah. What are they doing? They're doing deliveries. Mm-hmm. This is one I actually want to do. I am so excited that they're doing that because I really need something yeah. creative to do. This is actually something that we kind we, of yeah. talked about. We're absolutely kind of started. Um, Pinot Salad <laughs> is delivering a canvas that has a an outline on it, and then it's got all the paint and the supplies you need, and they're delivering that to your door so that you can do a little art project, which is the same awesome. thing that they do in their space, just with a lot right. of people. So that's a pivot, but they're still staying in their wheelhouse. And then also distilleries that are making hand yeah, sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. I've also seen um, that, and I'm glad that our state kind of rose and uh, to the occasion, and there's now delivery for liquor stores and that's actually what i was gonna say uh great minds think alike yeah especially when it comes to liquor (laughs) as we all sit here with our beverages yeah i spent that is one thing that i am not doing without during this crisis for sure can i can i create a steal i don't know how to i don't i'm almost out of wine what do i need to do (laughs) well we're brewing beer at home and delivering it so hey you know we've got you covered a little bit there yeah. Well, you know, my husband went out and bought, he bought like six boxes of wine because yeah. he was like, we are not going to run out. And I was like, well, we sure aren't now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things I was, I'm going to plug our own business again is seeing more businesses adopt technology to help maintain. And of course, here I'm going to throw out my own little policy request for everyone. I am calling it physical distancing. Yeah, because I think social distancing is not really, really kind of conveying what needs to be conveyed. Physical distancing. Yeah. You know, Cool Beans is, is pretty physically distant just in general because it's a drive through But adopting things like mobile ordering, I'd actually downloaded the consumer side of the Joe Coffee app that we're using about three months ago. And there was not a single user in Oklahoma. And before we started using it, I pulled it up again and there was one in Oklahoma City and one in Bethany and one. And so they started popping up. And so I really I also really appreciate these technology companies not taking advantage of the fact that so many want to utilize their services. So one of the things that really impressed me about Joe Coffee is they have a pretty high fee that they charge in addition to the credit card processing fees. And they do that because they provide all the promotions and they pay for those promotions. So I thought that was really great, but I wasn't sure if we were ready to adopt the cost. And then when I saw that they were waiving all of their fees except credit card processing through May 1st, I also wanted to reward them for their good behavior and not just sit back and let everyone come to them desperate to make money and have them continue to rack up the fees. So a lot of the technology providers that we are using for our businesses or for city council or things like that have offered free or significantly discounted services because they recognize that we really are all in it together. So they might be able to come out on top, but if they're doing that at the sacrifice of the larger economy, none of them want to do it. 
So it's really nice to see companies like Zoom offering free accounts and free 30-minute video calls for anyone. And then companies like mobile ordering or online ordering systems, you know, reducing their fees or eliminating their fees for businesses that really do desperately need them. So I think that all of that has been really wonderful and really helpful as well. I'll just shout out a couple of businesses. I don't know if you would call it pivoting necessarily, but I do think the way in which some businesses are going with the flow and changing things. So even at just just kind of on on the personal side, I mean, I I wanted to go for a bike ride. I mean, everybody's all riding their bikes now, right? And so, but my tire was flat and needed uh, a new tube. It wouldn't hold air, and so um, you know, you drive up to the bike shop, and there's a line outside, and there's a queue, and they're just coming out and grabbing whatever it is you need and going in and fixing things for you and bringing it back. You don't even have to to be bothered with it. So, I mean, I love that there are companies that are doing that so that you can can continue to be active and and get outdoors for a little bit in a physically distant way. You're right, Kate. I'll add that as city council, we got creative and, and we had virtual council meetings. I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm pretty sure we were the first ones in the state and to I hold a virtual council meeting. Do them that way. Well, that, oh and God, this, is yeah. what, this is what makes me wonder though, guys. I mean, is this like like we're going to learn how much of this stuff we can do like this. Every right? and meeting then, can be an email. Every meeting can be an yeah. email. <laughs> you know, it's like, why? I mean, it makes me wonder if you'll ever, if we will ever go back to not doing them that way. Well, you know? and I do think Suzette, I do think that there was a, the, we would not have gotten to this point where the legislature would have quick hustled to pass a an amendment to the Open Meeting Act allowing this. I don't think we would have gotten yeah. there this quickly, even though the technology is obviously here. I don't think that we would have gotten to it as, you know, for the from the legal perspective as mm-hmm. fast as we did because of the necessity of it. Yeah, you know, we I, don't want yeah. city hall business to stop, but at the same time, we need to stand as examples to the rest of the community. So I don't think we would have gotten to this point if it hadn't been for something drastic like this. Well, and that's interesting the just to think about the changes that have been made or that will come out of this that you know, are good. Even just like Sarita saying, we've been wanting to do something for a long time and we hadn't done it and this forced us to do it. I mean, the things Mm -hmm. that we're kind of being forced to do right now is kind of interesting in terms of some of the the positive aspects of how we engage. But again, you know, where that ends up, who knows? I've been doing some reading on history. I've been very interested in like looking at what happened in, you know, the last global ban- pandemic and mm-hmm. hundred years ago, the Spanish flu and how long it took them to come back to mm-hmm. social gatherings, you know, churches, for example, that were empty for four years. Oh. I mean, it's like shocking, you know, people didn't go into like groups, uh, you know, out in public for nearly till, till about 1922 after the breakout, uh, the outbreak started in 1918. Um, so, I mean, that's just mind blowing to think Mm -hmm. how long this could be going on and why then we need those policy changes and things that are being updated. So in the event that we're stuck doing this for a long time, you know, well, you know, putting and putting on my public policy hat, I don't think I've ever wished more to be back in Washington, DC at American university and able to connect with my insanely smart political science professors about what's going on because another strong corollary here is 1932. And you had a major recession with a president that had been elected quite popularly in 1928, who entirely fucked it all up and propped up banks and propped up the stock market and pushed back people protesting the lack of available food. They pushed them back with rubber bullets and tear gas so that even Republican members of Congress said, you do realize that cost more than bread. 
And that led to a massive sea change in the country. And you then had New Deal policies enacted that very next year when Roosevelt won, because that would never that would never have happened, though, if it weren't for how Hoover had acted in 1932. FDR went into a contested convention, was not expected to win. He did. And then he rode a wave of progressive policies to help the everyman all the way to the election. And I think this could be a very interesting year in that regard. I mean, Andrew Yang has to be just sitting there going, do I get no credit for universal basic income? Because that's basically what's happening yeah. now. Yeah. No, that lesson is that the historical lesson is also really interesting. But on the other side, too, of that, um, I mean, so yes, I mean, all these uh, amazing social policies that came out of these disastrous years, you know, of, well, pandemic, World War One, global depression, all kinds of things going on in the early 20th century. But we also saw on the on the not so positive side, people that were able to capitalize, if you will, I'm doing air quotes on that, capitalize, if you will, on a situation to create monopolies and to create, yep. you know, and to drive small companies out of business. And so that's my, one of my concerns, you know, is, yep. is who's going to be, able, what are small businesses, small companies going to be able to survive this? Because a hundred years ago, they really didn't. And, mm -hmm. and so you saw a lot of, you know, major conglomerates that emerged, these major companies that were able to buy everything up and the monopolies that came out of that. And so, you know, that concerns me for You're seeing that with restaurants the already. The National yeah. Restaurant Association has said that 4% of U.S. restaurants have not just closed temporarily, they've closed permanently. Close. Yeah. there. I mean, I've read some statistics that suggest that for restaurants alone, that they would expect that maybe one in four or one in three will never return. This is what's really concerning. And then policy that's been developed, the stimulus bill, if you will, again, I'm air quoting you know, the stimulus, uh, the $2 trillion bill, you know, that kind of goes about this whole thing in an upside down manner and, and not necessarily in a way that just kind of freezes our economy like they did in, in Denmark. You know, mm -hmm. in Denmark, where they just froze the economy and they gave money to businesses to say, Pay, keep paying your employees. Just keep paying your employees for four months. Here's four months of money. Right. And, and it's the same percentage of their GDP as our two trillion dollar bill is mm -hmm. of ours. But just, you know, freeze the economy, put, make everybody sit still for four months and then we'll evaluate. And we are we aren't doing it that way. We aren't handling things that way. And so it makes me concerned about what's going to happen to, you know, people who only get twelve hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they tried to do it the opposite way from 2008, but they're not even really doing it the opposite way of 2008. They're still talking about bailing out the airlines and yeah. bailing out the cruise industries. I mean, these are massive industries that have billions in assets that they can borrow against at rock and, bottom interest rates. Yeah, at rock bottom interest rates. Yet, and they're not even they're not even saying that it's a loan. I mean, they're talking about literally just giving them piles of cash. Whereas the stimulus check, which is yes, I mean, completely unprecedented. I mean, I think I think the 2008 quote unquote stimulus check that I got was all of a hundred dollars. But you know, I mean, this one is going to be impactful for a two or four week pandemic, right. which is not what we're experiencing. So again, I don't even think Congress has really gone through the stages of pandemic grief yet. And so I, I, I do worry about the long-term economic ramifications. There's a tiny little democratic piece in me that is saying, you know what? Maybe this is maybe you reap what you sow. And I don't think there's ever been a year that more exemplifies the phrase, are you better off today than you were four years ago?
because I sure know the answer is no for me. And if the answer is no for a majority of the country, then hopefully we know how the election is going to turn out, provided we're allowed to have one. An election. Exactly. I would like to add that the conversations I've been having with some of the local people, business owners, specifically real estate landlords and those kinds of folks, I don't think they're really getting it. Nope. They don't understand that we're in this for a long haul. They're wanting to evict people. And I'm saying, if you evict somebody, is your house sitting vacant going to help your situation? Because that's what's going to happen. There's nobody else out there to rent that's in a right. different situation than anybody right. else right now. So yeah. it's goofy to think that you could just evict somebody because they, because, you know, they had poor behavior and didn't pay their rent. Some have even said, I would rather them sit empty out of spite. And I'm like, well, (sighs) good luck telling your bank and your mortgage company that. Right. And that's (sighs) that's crazy. I do think that stressors like these and all kinds of stressors that happen within our world, the entrepreneurs of the world really come out on top because we're looking for opportunities. And now I I hope the ethical entrepreneurs actually rise up in this situation and not the unethical ones. But for sure, there's opportunities to be had and we need to be looking for them. I really appreciate some of the people that have been doing 3D printing of masks mm-hmm. and things like that. That's yeah. interesting, you know? It's yeah. cool to see the cool things that come out of these things. The too. innovation, yeah, yeah. The innovation that will emerge. But you're right. The ethical people, <laughs> that's the thing. Right. Yeah, is, is trying to avoid corruption and, you know, during, during a time of crisis, I mean, disaster capitalism is real yeah. and it has always been real. And, you know, it's, it's super real right now. There's so many scams. There are so mm-hmm. many ways in which people are taking advantage of the situation. Um, there are going to be some industries that really come out, you know, way ahead and others that completely don't make it. And so, I mean, it, it's it, that, that's real, but that's, I think one of the hopes that I have is that we will realize that, you know, we'll realize those weaknesses and that systemic, you know, socioeconomic system in which we live, uh, mm-hmm. that this will force us to realize and see those weaknesses and to, to recognize how the epidemiology of this pandemic, you know, is reflective of our inequalities and how, you know, ethically we must deal with that. Well, and I do think I do to kind of to Sarita's point, I also, I, I have struggled to really talk much about the possibility for entrepreneurship after the pandemic, because I know that that is also built on a lot of grief and loss of dreams for other people. It's a little bit of a different situation than just a new economic opportunity or a new stimulus program or, you know, a new president with a bunch of, you know, progressive ideas that free up, you know, new segments of the economy. Um, Be like medical marijuana when that when that passed in, in Oklahoma. Yes, that opened up a whole range of entrepreneurial opportunities for people in Oklahoma. My sadness about this particular situation is that, yes, there are going to be some of us, and I do believe that that our businesses are going to be some of them that are going to be able to make lemonade out of lemons, but not everyone is. And I do recognize that some of that opportunity is going to come from the loss of various businesses in our community because we don't have the appropriate structures in place to support them when things like this happen. So it's been hard for me to really talk about those possibilities publicly because, you know, I mean, I I know that, I mean, one of the reasons why our coffee shop is successful is because others have closed. And 
they've closed and people have lost their jobs and lost income and all of the potential ramifications from that. And I worry about some of our colleagues in the, in the doggy daycare industry, that if their situation was a little, a little more tenuous than ours before this hit, are all of them going to survive? I don't know. And while that might be good for Annie's in the long term, that makes me a little sad for our community. So it's really hard to talk about in this particular situation because it's not the same as just new things are legal or new opportunities are opened and everyone else has kind of stayed the same. So that's a, it's a tough one for me because I recognize that there are going to be a lot of people harmed, not directly because of the entrepreneurship of others, but you know, it's all, it's all kind of tied into one crap sandwich. So has anybody else noticed that it looks like the 1980s outside? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So many kids outside riding bikes, people just out in their yard. Yeah. Well, that, that raises my question. My question for you all is that I, I've loved seeing people's posts about, well, first of all, like people that are introverted for the first time, introverts are like ruling the world, right? Yeah. 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 Jackie's, Jackie's raising her hand. I am loving this. Right? That this that However, it, this expert is not. I am really, really see? struggling with this. Exactly. And and Kate, I'm not sure that you're Gen X, but I, I'm No, I'm an old millennial though. Yeah, that's what I, th- I thought you were maybe close, close to the cutoff there, but I'm pretty sure that Sarita, Jackie, and I are all Gen Xers. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, Gen Xers were made for this self-isolation mm-hmm. and suggesting that, like, for example, I mean, I've been, you know, I was at home by myself from a very young age. I, my parents divorced very, I was the, or I was like the original latchkey, you know, I'm like okay. the latchkey kid OG, you know? And so it's like, this just feels like the eighties, you know, the feel, yeah. it feels like the, the, the seventies and the eighties to me in terms of, you know, having to, to stay away and stay at home and fend for yourself basically. Right. And yeah. so th- what do you think about this, this whole Gen X thing made for self-isolation? Well, it definitely reminds me of, I, I've even found myself going to old food patterns. Like I made a, a peach cob or a, an apple cobbler out of Bisquick. I haven't done that for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why do I have a craving for Bisquick cobbler? You know, and it, and it had such a, like a, I don't know, 1976 school cafeteria yeah. feel. And yeah, and I wanted to shout at some kids that were playing in the vacant lot next to me, but I'm like, they're not really not hurting anything. But that's kind of odd. We haven't we've lived here for a year and nobody's ever played in that vacant lot. And there was a bunch of kids over there playing in the vacant lot. And I wanted to be an old lady and yell at them <laughs> to go home. And I was like, no, they're not hurting anything. They're yeah. literally being, you know, kids and it's OK. And that's such a it's such a, a, a paradigm shift that I hadn't noticed until it's went, it's shifted back. And I also find it kind of ironic, I guess, that their video games still work. They can yeah. still go play video games. But they're generally. outside. But they're outside. But they're outside yeah. because we've told them that they can't, yeah, you can't go outside. Else. They're <laughs> creating that human interaction. Yeah. You know? I do think I do think I saw the perfect the perfect example of this this paradigm shift or this amalgam of these of these two times in our history. I saw an older one of my neighbors. Um, I saw the older girl walking, pulling a wagon. And the younger girl was lounging in it with her feet up watching her tablet. Oh. Okay, well, I thought I, I love that, but I, I saw somebody the other day actually who had gone to the liquor store with their wagon and they had filled <laughs> oh, their hilarious. So yeah, it was it was, was it you? <laughs> <laughs> that must have been before booze delivery was legalized. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so we have definitely already gone over our time. Um, but I wanted to ask one kind of 
kind of a more maybe it's maybe it's more lighthearted. My answer isn't super lighthearted, but I w- wanted to ask where do you plan to travel first when you're able to do so? And my big one, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and say it without getting teary eyed, but I really, I really, really need to go see my parents. <laughs> yeah. I'm really worried about them. I'm a younger, I'm one of the younger kids of my dad's two marriages and he doesn't do video chats very well. Um, it's not his thing. And I have been so worried about him and I just really, really, really want to go and give my parents a hug. Like I'm going to hug so much more than I ever did <laughs> before. Absolutely. Um, I, I always miss them being several thousand miles away from them. I don't think I have ever missed them more than right now. So yeah. I will first go home. I will yeah. go home and then I will probably go on a cruise. <laughs> not even, <laughs> not even joking. Not even joking. <laughs> well, in that same teary eyed place, I'll probably go see my daughter who's in Colorado. And in like, I went a whole year when she was in Guam for a while and I've gone years on, on end uh, without seeing her. But for some reason, this not being able to see her has yep. made it so much harder and she's, you know, not in any health risk or any of that stuff. Other than she bought a, a five-foot-long couch on, let somebody deliver it out in her front. And then she tried to take it in. It was actually seven feet long. <laughs> oh, God. It's like the Friends episode. I think Suzette and I are going to the same place. We are. We're going to Brazil. We're going to Rio as oh, soon as we can. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we have, you know, we were in in the beginning stages, but we were working on um, our beer company, you know, we're building a brewery and and our, we have Brazilian partners. And this just hit, you know, right at at the time as we were just ramping that up. And so, you know, we already had plans to go in the end of May to a big festival that they were having. And so yeah, so we we had to cancel all of that. So I think Jackie and I will be on a plane to Brazil as soon as we as soon as we can. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. So I yeah, guess, it does. Um, we should plan on doing this again, ladies, because I feel like we are the epitome yeah. of four grown ass women of the apocalypse. And, also, we only uh, got through like one question yeah. of our three. So <laughs> I know. we have more questions. I think we we set up another one and do it again, and and maybe hopefully there's parts of this that helps other people giggle and think about what our future might bring. Uh, of course, you can find all of Kate and I's podcasts on RoarAndPeaceProject.com. And then uh, Jackie and or Suzette, tell us where to find you. You can find uh, the Amplify podcast on our name is Amplify.com. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank fun. you all. Have it was fun. so great to see your faces. Too. I know. So great to see your faces. Soon.